Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Sup, Craig? Hey. Hey. Maybe we have a football game to talk about this weekend. I'm I not sure. I think we do. I think I mean, we do. This is even farther away than the last preview podcast we did, so <laughs> and we got to wait until all the way Sunday. But I know it's Thursday night, by the way. Yeah, it's Thursday night. So this is a podcast versus everyone, USC preview edition plus basketball uh, edition. We're, we're going to do USC preview first. Then we're going to talk about the Oregon State basketball game and preview the Colorado game as well. So just talking about nothing but games right now. Yeah. Um, I'm Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Neusser. Hello. Uh, Jeff. Um, so we got USC coming and uh, we're probably going to play. Pat Chun said there's less than five WSU players in testing protocol. Uh, then there's... Uh, and USC is feeling has said they feel confident that they're going to be ready to go. So um, they've had a week off as well. We've had a couple weeks off. So I'm, I'm sure all the players are itching to play. Yeah, that's uh, you know they they spend so much time trying to you know just trying to get the season off the ground right, and then uh, and then it goes sideways on them, and it, it's it's like the whole thing is just utterly bizarre, right? I mean. The, the season already was short, like, and we knew that from the start, but it's like all of a sudden it kind of hits you just how short it is when you take a couple of games out yep. and you're like, oh, they have three games left. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they have three games left, right? Like, they, they, you know, they've got USC, they've got Cal next weekend, which was supposed to be the last, you know, basically regular game. And then they've got some other game that may or may not be a crossover, might be the Apple Cup, might be, you know, God knows what. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's it's totally crazy. And, and this is uh, turning out so far, cross our fingers, to be the first week that uh, no Pac-12 games are going to be canceled. Well, and there is, of course, you know, Stanford has moved, you know, they're playing at uh UW and at they're gonna play at Corvallis and at UW yep. instead of playing those games at home. Yep. Um USC that we you never know. Uh this game could end up being in Pullman. I that it's gonna be hard at this point though, uh to cause you gotta drive those trucks. Um that's a pretty long way to go. But uh California just had a a, a new uh I don't know, protocol pass a guideline or a law. It's not a law because it's just like a, a declaration, but, it, but uh, that if, if the, the region you're in has less, less than 15% of ICU beds available, uh, then you, you pretty much got to shut everything down. So, uh, so if you really want this game to pl- go through, you got to be watching those ICU bed numbers. We're big stat number guys here, but the big one for this game is 15% ICU beds in the Los Angeles area. And that's that's nuts that this for a football game that's what we're looking at, but yeah. that's that's literally what what what's going to decide this thing. Well, and and the thing is now we're getting to a point where you know, we're getting close enough to the game that if somehow LA County says, "Nope, nope, nope, yep. we're done." Uh, you probably can't play the game. Yeah, right? or the, the, or the, or it's got to go to some place 
like like maybe Vegas probably becomes an option, right? You play the game in Vegas because yeah, WC's truck's already going to be south. Right, WC's truck's are going to be on the way there. Vegas is close enough to Los Angeles that they could pivot to that. Uh, Four hours you know, through the desert. Yep, they could pivot to that real quick. Uh, there's no way that they could uh, – at this point, I can't imagine there's any way that they could flip that on its head and, and USC head up to Pullman. That's already – a terribly difficult trip, which we, of course, we love, but um, you know, I, I can't imagine that, that that would happen. So, anyway, let's just hope it gets played in Los Angeles, and you know, no more COVID cases on either WSU or USC. It sounds like everybody's coming out the way they should, and uh, yeah, maybe we can get this stupid thing off the ground. Yeah, so let's let's talk as if the game is going to happen. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I felt pretty good about that Stanford one, but <laughs> just, just, we'll, we'll go. I, I, I wish we could have played Stanford, honestly, because oh, they don't look very no good. Kidding. Um, no USC kidding. looks a lot better. Still um, might, by the way, they, I'd say they're yeah, probably a pretty decent, they're a pretty decent candidate, candidate for that, yeah. for that game. If, uh, if, if UW gets into the PAC 12 championship game, I would ugh, say Stanford, ugh. Stanford's probably the team we end up playing Yeah, because they'd already be up here. Uh, it probably takes place in Pullman. Um, anyway, that's that's neither here nor there right now. I don't know why I felt the need to interject that, but yeah. Well, so let's let's talk about USC. Let's talk about USC. Um, let's start with you know we're going to be very very familiar with what USC does on offense because their offensive coordinator is Graham Harrell, who yeah. of course was an offensive assistant, I believe the QB coach um, under Mike Leach at WSU, and of course. Probably Mike Leach's most successful quarterback ever um, at Texas Tech. Um, and so he is running a version of the air raid at USC. Um, of course, like every um, air raid disciple, it's not 100% like Mike Leach's pure, you know, uh, pure cut stuff, uncut stuff. Um, he uh, They still throw the ball a lot um it's if you look at (laughs) if if you if you look at their splits um about 62 percent of their plays are passes sacks or qb runs and slovis keaton slovis the quarterback is not really a runner so um you can kind of guess those were called pass plays um 62 percent is not like you know like the 70 plus percent we'd see at wsu but it's still quite a bit um so that that still leaves they have a lot of good running backs um, and they use a lot of running backs and they have a lot of good wide receivers and, and they use, use a lot, a lot of, of wide receivers. Wide receivers. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, we'll look at, like, I'll start off with Slovis. I mean, I've watched a couple of, you know, bits and pieces, a couple of their games. Um, I know you have too. Yeah. His, his numbers look okay. 70% of his passes, which is kind of, you know, that's become kind of the standard in the area. You kind of got to do around that. And, and, uh, so for 970 yards, uh, 7.3 yards per attempt, that's more in kind of the Falk area of the air raid. And, 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 and more around eight is where you'd see Gordon and, and, uh, Minshew at his best. So, uh, it's not, nothing crazy, especially considering the wide receivers they have, um, yep. athletic dudes. Um, I t- Tyler Vaughn's I, I can never forget when that catch he made on fourth down in Pullman in 2017 uh you know it made that game a lot harder in the end uh WSU of course 
pulled it out, but really one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen in person where he just jumped over like three guys to yep. catch a fourth and 17 yep. pass. Uh, he's still very athletic and, and can still do that. Even though he's not six, two, he's not super tall, but he just, he's so long, like his arms are super long and like, he's like an NBA player essentially with his like limbs and, uh, the way he jumps. Uh, he's just a very tough guy to defend, uh, for smaller defensive backs, but you know, he's, he's not really, he's 18 for 185, um you have i i don't know how to say his name saint brown's first name uh i don't which saint brown are we on now i don't even know i'm I'm on there oh yeah amon ra yeah 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 yeah. i was like well there's like there's like three of them floating around out there right there's one in the nfl there's one i don't know somewhere else and then there's this one yeah there's saint brown amon ra he he's a big body drake london's a big body uh it, it, brew mccoy is a great name it's a big body yeah and heck they even use a tight end uh, they got uh, a tight end eric Cromenhook, who has only caught four passes but two of them in touchdowns so watch out for him in the red zone but so yeah they got tons of weapons uh, for it. i this is what we're used to in the air raid they, they spread the ball around no one's gonna have dominant catch numbers because if you look at the these guys you know the best they're doing is like six or seven catches a game um, you know, in which, you know, WSU's top receivers get, are doing more than that. And they're passing quite a bit less. So we're used to this in the air raid, spraying the ball around a lot of different guys. And USC has a lot of guys. I will say, given that their offense hasn't been too, like their offense is good. Definitely good. Um, they're 14th in SP plus, but they're not like, they haven't been mega, mega explosive in the passing game. Um, well, they, like they, for comparison, I mean that's a lower ranking than what our offense was last year. Yeah, yeah. You know, our offense I think was fifth, right? Yeah, fifth in SP plus. Like you mentioned, the you know uh, yards per attempt from Anthony Gordon. Uh, you know this 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 offense is surprisingly above average. I guess like I don't know. Like I mean, it's better than above average, but it's just like 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 you mentioned with all the weapons you would expect that this would be an offense that was just, you know, lighting people up, you know, up and down the field. And that's, that hasn't really been the case. I mean, they're good. Like, and I don't, you know, I, I, I feel kind of like a, like maybe I'm, I'm being a little too harsh by, yeah. by not giving it a little more credit, but at the same time, uh, I'd say they're probably there. I mean, if, if you're looking at air raid offenses that we're used to, uh, they're probably better than any, uh, non Minshew Gordon or 2014 holiday offense yeah and probably maybe, better probably yeah, better than that falk maybe that's probably right in that ballpark yeah i think yeah that's probably that's probably about right so yeah. outside outside of falk's junior and senior year then basically yeah. but yeah i mean you know and you, you look at who they played i mean they played uh a couple of good defensive teams in arizona state and utah mm-hmm. yep. you know so that's that's part of it too um you know and then they of course they played arizona and that was a little that was an interesting game and in that it was a lot closer. I think that people thought it would or should be. Uh, but you know, that's, that, that's kind of what, that, that's what they've, what they've been. And they've gone 28 points, 34 points, 33 points. That's... And the 28 points against Arizona state was kind of bananas. Cause yeah. they were down 27, 14 really Man, late in that two game. minutes left roughly. Yeah. Really late. And so they piled up most of those yards. Like I shouldn't say most of the yards, but like, Maybe Big like chunk. a third of those yards in the fourth quarter trying to catch up 
real late in like the last seven eight minutes. So yeah, uh, so yeah. I mean, I. The other thing is you never, you know, what are we going to get, right? I mean, they haven't played in two weeks. We haven't played in two weeks. I mean, or they haven't played. Yeah, they haven't played in two weeks. And we'll have I not mean, played in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they last played on, on the 21st. Uh, we last played on the 14th. Yeah. 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 So we haven't played in three weeks. They haven't played in two weeks. And anyway, it's just, you know, what's it, what's it going to be like? I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is that our defense is still not good. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's me... that's going to be part of it. And and the splits you mentioned the splits. I you know I am curious if, um, you know if maybe if Graham Harrell decides to do what you know Mike Leach so often didn't do, which was, you know, when you've got a decided advantage in the running game, you know maybe pounding it up in there, uh, because that's that's definitely looks like the weakness. Uh, of our defense much more than the the past defense, which which still isn't great, but yeah, um, but the the run defense is is you know has was through the first couple games pretty ultra soft, and uh, and I, I imagine that that's gonna uh, imagine that's gonna happen again. So yeah, and so to put a number on it, so uh, WSU in uh, rushing success rate uh, allowed. Um, Allowing successful runs, uh, which is uh, a successful play, um, is just determined by um, the yardage you gain uh, based on what you what is available. Um, but they're 118th in the country, allowing 53.2% success on runs, um, which is real bad. Um, and WSU has given up to, uh, 29% of their running plays have allowed 10 yards or more you know, running plays against uh so yeah I, I would definitely say like you know i think wsu's pass rush is not a huge strength but it's definitely one of their strengths um and their back end uh is probably where they have some of their best talent defending the run has been a challenge and it's a place where you might even be more likely to get a big play against wsu if you're running the ball versus throwing the ball. And I think even in the red zone, USC has not done particularly well this year. Um, I, I was a bit stunned by this. They, they've scored touchdowns only on 11 of 20 trips to the red zone. And they've actually went completely empty five times. Um, WSU Yikes. on WSU, on the other hand, nine touchdowns and 10 tries. So um, it it'd be it's interesting to see if maybe USC hands the ball off a bit more, uh, not only all over the field, but especially when they get, which they will get uh, into the red zone. <laughs> you sound very confident about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm. Uh, I also am curious. Here's the hope. And Graham Harrell takes after Mike Leach and decides we're going to throw it. Damn it. And because uh, yeah, I think it a little that easier definitely... for him. Yeah, I mean it's you know, and if they're they decide to do their you know air raidy things with you know uh, you know wide receiver screens and and things like that, trying to you know get the ball horizontal real quick, um, you know, I think that definitely is at least puts WSU in a position to maybe maybe uh, do a little bit better. So here's to hoping. Yeah. And I don't, um, I'd say like given USC in their second year of the air raid. Um, I don't think they've truly, they've really mastered the screen game yet. 
Uh, they don't seem to run them that well, even with the the athletes they have on the outside. Um, they they haven't seemed to be that great at them. Um, they're kind of more they're better with the more traditional passes uh, downfield. Um, so hopefully, you know, and I, it feels like WSU has defended those, those outside screens pretty well so far. So, uh, we'll see, um, we'll see if, uh, maybe USC uses the running backs in the past game more than they have so far this season. Um, obviously Oregon had success with that. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's the, this WSU defense, it's, it's, I, I, we're gonna be like broken records, but it's the same as last year. And they're just not very good, and USC is pretty good offense. So I it, I fully expect USC to put up points. Yeah, and maybe maybe they can you know recreate the Oregon formula and and get some turnovers. You know, Slovis uh, can get a little loose with the ball. Yeah. That's that's one of his things. He's only thrown two interceptions, but um, from the times that I've I've watched him play, he can get he can get a little he can get a little loose with it out there. So. Uh, maybe that maybe that works into our our, our favor because we're at this point really it's just sort of <laughs> cross your fingers and <laughs> hope they screw up which yeah. you know is a, it's a, it's a strategy I don't know cool. if it's a reliable strategy but it's a strategy yeah well let's let's flip it around let's let's talk about the more fun side yeah um, when WSU has the ball. Um, that's uh, that's when we get to watch. Well, we'll get to watch Jaden Delora again. Yeah. S- sorry, Gunnar Cruz. Like you. Can you imagine? Your, your time by the way, passed. by the way, imagine you're that guy, yeah. right? And like you're in line to to get a start. You're like probably a couple oh. starts. Yeah, yeah, probably a couple. Well, definitely a couple. Yeah, like definitely a couple. There, yeah. There's no doubt. You're, you're going to get a couple. And then it just nope. Nope, the games get canceled. You're this close to starting, and then never mind. Yep. <laughs> ah! but what, I'd, be, yeah. I'd be going crazy if I was that guy. Anyway. But, yeah, WSU against USC's defense. Um, you know, USC is uh, solid defense. They're not a great defense. Uh, they're currently in, uh, I think, in the 40s in SB+. Uh, they're pretty much kind of just above average and you know success rate so stopping the run stopping the pass um what they do best is rush the quarterback um that's that's the biggest um uh, threat is is that but we've seen that even when teams break through the line Delora has been pretty good at avoiding the rush, you know yep. he's only been sacked twice on seventy-four dropbacks, and that you know that's that's seven. That's only saying the dropbacks counting the sacks and the and the passes. We know he's dropped back and then taken off down the field a lot more than that. So it's, it's probably more like twice on like eighty-five dropbacks, honestly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's so he he doesn't get sacked much. So hopefully that can um, kind of neutralize USC's biggest strength, um, which is that pass rush. Um. And and then maybe they can you know get some big plays downfield. Something I um, something I noticed uh, you know WSU. I'm not surprised. I, I just hadn't dug into the numbers yet this year. But so WSU's offense over a quarter, twenty seven percent of their passes get fifteen yards or more uh, of their dropbacks, and then over uh, twenty nine and over twenty nine percent of their runs get ten yards or more. Um, interesting. USC's defense has been pretty good limiting um, big plays on dropbacks. Part of that is because they've sacked the quarterback a lot, so that just 
automatically you're not getting a big play on that play. But but their runs, uh, USC's actually given up uh, in just over 100 runs. They have more than 30 rushes of over 10 yards. So hey, maybe Max Borgie's coming back. Maybe we'll have yeah. you know a very rested Dion McIntosh. Maybe WSU can get some chunks on the ground and uh, get get USC worried about that, and then hit them deep on those on those uh, those uh, deep routes with Harris and Bell and and everyone. So um, I, I definitely think there's an opportunity for WSU to keep up with USC and USC's offense in this game. They they uh, they have some good matchups. Uh, I obviously the red zone is, is going to be. Um, you know, it, that was ultimately, a, a, what hurt WSU against Oregon. Um, they, uh, USC has been pretty good. They only get up three touchdowns and eight tries. And they've also notably, I mean, obviously we're talking about giving them up a lot of big play, them giving up a, a lot of big plays, but they've also only given up eight trips to the red zone in three games, which is pretty good. Um, obviously they've given up some big long touchdowns as well, but, uh, eight trips in the red zone is not so much if you're considering WSU's defense has given up uh, 10 in th- two games. So, uh. yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we mentioned on Monday when we were talking about Borgie, uh, like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sound real great. Well now, like, I don't know, later this week, it kind of does sound, yeah. I don't know. Like it kind of sounds like he's going to play. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, if he's practicing, how are you keeping him off the field? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, it doesn't, I mean, they don't do the NFL thing where it's like, you know, limited participant, like all that stuff. They don't, they don't do any of that, but, um, you know, and maybe it's, it's like, we're still trying to figure out how to decode all this stuff. Right. Cause maybe it's gamesmanship. Yeah. For so long, we just didn't hear anything. Yeah. (laughs) It was just, he's happy and healthy. And then. You know, after a while, reporters just stopped asking, yeah. right? Like, unless they were from out of town and they were like, you know, they were some out of town TV reporter who was like, what do you think about? And Mike Leach is like, what's wrong nope. with you? <laughs> uh, you know, so it, we're still trying to figure out how to decode this because somebody asks about Borgie and they're like, well, he's practicing. And, you know, what's he like at practice? Well, he's angry. And like, these these are the quotes that are coming out, right? And so uh, it's uh, you kind of go, well, what am I supposed to make out of this? It's like, is, is he Maybe this means he's playing. I don't know. Uh, I, I I think at this point I'd be surprised if he didn't play. Yeah. Um, which is great. You yeah. Know? Uh, I can't wait to see him play again. And I didn't think we get to see angry. him play. Oh, goodness. Um, especially if he's angry, especially against USC. Uh, yeah. I remember his freshman year, he really loved running. Yep. Um, yeah, because they didn't play him last year. So yeah. freshman year, he really loved yeah. running against them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, one thing we should point out is it's very unlikely that McIntosh and Borgie will be on the field at the same time unless unless Rolovich changes something drastically or has some sort of special packages yep. where one of them is splitting out because yep. that it's pretty much like a core principle of this offense that it's a single back offense. So, <laughs> like, yeah, um, but we have seen that he will wrinkle things up a little bit, like with like with Travell. Yeah. So. If if he if he senses that he can you know do a thing in a certain spot, they will they will definitely wrinkle some things up. But but I would say, you know, you're you're probably more likely to see what you said, which is just you know your standard one back four wide, 
Um, you know, maybe, maybe you see a thing where they come out two back and one of them, you know, motions out right. into a receiver spot or something to give, you know, the standard four wide receiver look. But, uh, but my guess is you'd probably just see, you know, rotation of, of backs back there where, um, guys are staying fresh and not that, uh, you know, what, one of the things I think was amazing about what McIntosh did in those first couple games was, I mean, he was on the field for virtually every snap yeah, almost and every snap. did not look like he was wearing out. Like he, uh, you know, he looked strong in the fourth quarter, even after being out there for every snap. And I know that, uh, um, you know, he wasn't carrying the ball 25 times, yeah. but you know, being out there that much and blocking, pass and blocking. Whatever, yeah, yeah. His, it does yeah. save some legs that these guys aren't running pass routes. Yes. Like yeah, they used I was going to say that. Yeah. So, you know, if they're not running the ball, they're staying in to pass protect, um, to give the receivers time to get open on, on some of those deeper routes in the, in the run and shoot. So, um, you know, definitely save some legs to not be, you know, constantly sprinting out into the flat. And that, and that's the, I mean, that's, that was kind of one of the underrated things um, about what the the running backs were asked to do with Leach. It wasn't even just so much like, oh, you know, you're, you're just sort of jogging out into the flat. You're like sprinting into mm-hmm. the flat. I remember, um, you know, I got to do that cool thing where I got to be in the quarterback room with Leach and the quarterbacks a couple of years ago during spring practices for a day and just really just observing. And, you know, one of the things he kind of kept talking about was, um, the difference in the speed with which certain running backs were getting to the flat. And some guys were getting there when they needed to get there, and some guys were not getting there as fast as they needed to get there. And it was funny, like, to my naked eye, uh, I couldn't really tell the difference, but Leach was like, too slow, too slow, too, that's too slow, too slow. You know, and I'm like, okay, but that, that, but that was the thing. Like they had to, they had to really had to sprint out there to draw either, either to get open for a quick pass or to draw a linebacker out of the way or whatever. It's not like they were just jogging out. There's a safety valve. So at any rate, you know, these guys will be hopefully a little more fresh, uh, you know, trading off with, with Borgie and McIntosh, you know, maybe gives like a one, two punch there that, um, that, that maybe, uh, creates a little advantage for WSU's offense and, you know, in particular with uh, the speedy receivers who um, have frankly had a lot of success against yeah. against USC. You know, these guys, I mean, Bernard Bell, if I remember right, the game two years ago, I think he had a pretty good game um, in that game down there with Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember specifically, but I seem to recall. He definitely um, had a huge catch in 2017 against USC. Yeah. Uh, in, yep. in he had that big year. kind of ran a little seam yeah. uh, up the middle. Um, a route that. he'll most certainly run. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which he almost never ran on Sunday. So. Yeah, <laughs> on Sunday. On Sunday. Say, yeah. yeah, we're playing on Sunday. Our guys are playing on Sundays, Craig. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know these are guys. I think the thing I love the most is that you know these are definitely, especially on offense, um, these are definitely guys who are not going to be in any way afraid or intimidated by playing USC. They're not. They're not going to be. No. You know they're they're not going to be. Uh, intimidated by any mystique. There's really nothing that they're going to be like, yo, we lit you guys up two years ago and should have beat your ass in LA. Like these, all these guys were in that game. So, yeah. And they played Oregon, you know, last game. So like it, honestly, Oregon's been the kind of the big boy in the last decade and a half on the West coast. So that I think honestly that they kind of carry more mystique probably to these younger guys at this point. And there also is, I truly believe, there is something to um, these guys going down to Los yep. Angeles 
and wanting to play well. I, I, I think that's absolutely legit. Um, over the years, it didn't really matter much because USC was just so much more talented. But USC has obviously, you know, come back to the pack. You know, this is not Pete Carroll's Trojans, right? Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, and our talent level, I think, is is higher or, or as high as it's as it's been most years. So, you know, when guys like Renard Bell, you know, go down to Southern California, you know, that's going home for them and they want to show mm-hmm. out. That's important to them. So, um, yeah, I think back, back to your very original point, I, I think there's every reason to think the offense will be able to to really keep up with. Uh, be able to keep up with USC's offense and, and at the very least, you know, make it a, at the very, very least, make it a close game in the end. Yeah. So I think um, it'll be important to take care of the ball. Um, That'll be huge. Uh, I mean, that's, goes without saying, but well, they're going to have to maximize possessions. Yeah. That's just, that's just the reality. Yeah. This is, I mean, we're, we're living the same reality we lived in 2019. Like it's, it, you're going, it's going to be tough if you're not scoring almost every time. So, um, and you know, that's a little bit of exaggeration, but it's also not. (laughs) Um, so yeah, like, like we said, USC has put up some points against some much better defenses. Um, so I mean, there's SoCal guys on the Cougar defense too. Um, so maybe they'll want to play out of their minds and there's, you know, they can do that too. And that'd be great. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're going to have to keep up, take care of the ball. I, you got to find a way to score in the red zone. Um, yeah, you touchdowns, can't, not field goals. Yeah, you can't, you can't get field. You can't leave points on the board. Um, I hope you know they they can find a way uh, to do that. Um, I, I I'm hoping that the ro- being able to rotate running backs, if that is the possibility, um, maybe if if the run game's working, that you know they can do that a little more because. Uh, uh, with Dion and uh, Max are both guys that can show have shown they can break one off um, if they get a seam and and because and the, there will be opportunities for that against USC. Uh, they they have an aggressive front and they're going they're going to look to get after the quarterback, which means you know maybe you can trick them with it with an RPO and you know get. Get out, get your running back into space, and, and let him go run. So, um, I, I, but you know they can create yardage in the in the pass game too. But I, I, I I'm feeling good about the offense in this game, and I, I think Jaden and and the running backs are, are going to look pretty good against USC. Um, it'll just be a matter of how much they need to score to win. Yep. Uh, so, what do you think? Should we do predictions? Yeah, you first, as always. All right, uh, I'm thinking it's close, but I'm also thinking probably USC. So I'm thinking something like, uh, let's go 38-31. That's not that close, but I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of trying to think of a number that makes sense. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, USC, yeah, probably five touchdowns and a field goal, and then yeah. it's probably four touchdowns and a field goal, and that. I don't know. That feels about right to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to say we can't win. I definitely think we can. USC is fully capable of puking on themselves. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, but I, I think, you know, I, I do think it's it's basically what we talk about, which is the defense. You know, I just, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine them getting enough stops uh, in the absence of total, you know, dumb fuckery by, by the Trojans. So, yeah. So I'm, you know, I feel I feel good because 
the last time WSU uh, wore this Union combo, and uh, shout out to uh, I think his name's Carson Brown, uh, one of the Cougar Sports Network guys, pointed out that the last time WSU won this Union combo in the Coliseum, the crimson helmet, crimson pants, white jersey, uh, that was the the ten seven Demonte Horton show. Um, I was at that game. You know, I'm feeling good vibes for that. I'm going against my analytical tendencies. Uh, you already picked them to lose, so I'm going to pick them to win. Woo! Um, that so never happens. Let's let's get a let's. I, I'm feeling like a, a weird touchdown, like a defensive touchdown or a Travell Harris return touchdown, just something weird, and and we'll go 42 to 38 Cougs. All right, I love that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, oh. I don't want people to turn off the podcast because we're always picking WSU to lose. Yeah. So. Well, and, uh, we're picking different. Normally, yeah. we're like, normally we're like, yeah, well, I'm pretty much the same. same way. <laughs> people Looking probably at the same think, numbers. <laughs> no, people probably think we get together beforehand and like just kind of you know coordinate it so that we so that we sound the same. If people only knew how much you and I argue about stuff, like we don't argue that much on the podcast, but. It's funny. Yeah. Like we we bicker about things. We're kind of we like do. an old married couple. Yeah, it's gotten worse because <laughs> we know each other's tendencies now. That is true. That is true. So, so football. <sighs> so, yeah. Normally, this is where we end the preview podcast, but hey, we yeah. have basketball to talk about. Yeah. Um, the Cougs got an awesome win on whatever what Wednesday. Uh, that's yesterday, but Wednesday. Um, yesterday for us, it'll be two days ago, but. So we're going to talk about that Oregon State win, and when then the WSU also plays this Saturday. Um, if you remember the last podcast, I kept saying Sunday. Um, don't mind me. Uh, it was actually <laughs> Saturday. It's actually Saturday. It was always Saturday. Um, so they play Colorado at Saturday. So we're, when we come back, we're going to talk about those two games. And we're back. All right. Yeah basketball winning basketball man oh man they Woo! it it I, apparently you just you set the, the level of the opponent doesn't matter the game pretty <laughs> much goes the same way every time it's like when you play a video game and you like just incrementally leveling slide up. Slide it up, you know, slide the AI up a little bit a little bit more as you're learning more, the game as you're learning the game you're, keep you're getting winning. upgrades. Yeah, you know, you, you yeah. you've learned how to use, you know, the the, spe- the, the, magi- the, the special power. Yeah, like your you, fingers know where down. the buttons are, and you're yes. like, okay, now I know when when I need yeah, to, I need to push this button against Texas Southern. They had to keep pressing pause and checking the controls. <laughs> checking the controls. <laughs> you know, a couple times, a couple times they like. Wait a minute, what does the left bumper do again? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, a couple times they pressed the wrong button and, and you know shot themselves in the foot. Oh you know, shit! Just I meant to push the X button, not the O button. Yeah, they they jumped off a cliff a couple times. It's you know it happens. <laughs> it um, definitely happens. But Texas Southern, they figured it out by the end. One. Uh, Eastern Washington, they figured it out by the end and won. And then Oregon State, they were down 10 early in the second half. And I, I said on Slack, like, I don't know how they're going to make this up. They're going to have to hit Which some threes. I laughed at that, by the way. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, come on. I'm like, this is not Ernie Kent. Like, I know. They can, well, they can do Ernie this. Ernie Kent, at least, you know, they, they, you'd expect some offense. Like, they, they were just looking so 
bad offensively. And sure, but don't you feel better about trying to catch up if – good, now we get to argue. Don't you feel better about, like, if – you know, like, if that was an Ernie Kent team, you're like – like, you realize how just how many shots you'd have to make in a row yeah, to but, get back into it but versus WS- this where it's like – you know, you play great defense, and then if the shots start to come around, you can claw your way back into it. But WSU wasn't playing great defense right at the start, like the first five minutes of the second half. Well, no, not not the first seventy seconds where yeah, that, <laughs> where so, Oregon State scored seven points. Yeah, and well, there were there's that you know it was weird. Oregon State was shooting a lot of threes, which I did not expect them to do. They don't usually do that. WSU was not shooting threes, which actually turned out they probably should have shot a few more threes because um, that in the interior was not working. Um, it was at the very start. I was feeling good because I said, hey, attack the paint. They're not very good at defending the paint, especially without um, their big seven-footer out. You know, out. Yep. Uh, and they did at the start. You know, Noah Williams got a couple buckets early. Uh, uh, Jazz Koontz went inside, got his own rebound, put one back. Uh, Jazz hit a three early. Uh, Noah hit a three early. So we were feeling good about the offense. And then they were up 23-18 and then decided to stop playing offense for seven minutes of game time, seven minutes of game time Uh, Uh, did not score anything, not one single point. And that's where Oregon state took it from a five point deficit to a 10 point, um, 10 point advantage, which is like, which, you know, 15 points in seven minutes is, is definitely like more than you'd expect this team to allow, but still at least it was only 15 (laughs) Yeah, um, because it could have gotten a lot worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. Overall, the defense saved the day because even if you're talking about they they had the flurry of offense that put them in the lead, they still again in the last five minutes of the game uh, only had free throws, and most of those free throws were the result of like loose ball fouls in the backcourts. <laughs> right. It wasn't um, like they had driven into the lane and gotten contact or something. And if they had driven in the lane, they probably would have given up a charge. So, yeah. So just don't, oh just gosh. don't bother. Just don't bother driving into the lane. Don't, uh, don't bother trying any post up move. Don't bother driving yeah. into the lane. Don't bother don't, doing anything. Don't even try to look for contact from a defender because you'll probably give a turnover. Because if they're no, smart, they will fall, and then it will be a, yeah. like Noah Williams has figured this out. I'm, I'm waiting for it to flip in the middle of the season, and, and Noah Williams is going to flop. And All then, sudden, like last year, he'll get a technical block foul. After block after block, yeah. Yeah. I, they, and it's crazy, right? Remember, so that rule, to my knowledge, that rule hasn't changed, which is the you can get a technical foul for a flop, even though we saw, I don't know, half a dozen flops in the first three games. Um it's all just whatever, man. It's refs, college refs are, uh, it's not just a Pac-12, Pac-12 problem either. I mean, these, you know, in football, it is a Pac-12 problem because those guys only work Pac-12 games. In college, basketball, uh, those guys work all over the place. And they'll work all over West Coast conferences. Uh, and I don't just mean like the West Coast conference, but that's one of them. Mountain West, West Coast Conference, Pac-12, uh, the whack, like the, it's the same guys that do mm-hmm. all of those leagues. Yep. Um, and so, and, and they work as many games as they can. That's actually one of the problems with uh, college basketball officiating that uh, I think a lot of people maybe don't realize is um, some of these guys will work like, you know, five games in seven days in five different cities, you know, and they're just flying from city to city to city, you know, working all these games. And so they, uh, you know, fatigue, I think, 
you know, becomes a little bit of an issue. Um, in this game in particular, the old guy, um, Jamie Vinnick from Coog Fan on, on Twitter told me his name, and I totally do not remember the name of the referee. But uh, but he was the old guy. Um, old guy loved his whistle. Oh, oh my goodness, he loved his whistle. And uh, just I, I just the one thing I can never stand is is officials who um, just are clearly determined to make themselves you know part of the game and well and sometimes uh, that, we saw that, a lot of that we that saw can, a lot of that that can cause an an imbalance in calls because of how they rotate mm-hmm. so if you're if you're down on the baseline you're running up and you're at the top of the key you know so it it you can have a half where the fouls get very imbalanced because there's one ref that's calling all the charges on one end and then calling all the touch fouls on the top of the key at the other end so it's like you know, you're doubly affected. I'm, well, I mean, what he also ends up doing is dragging the other referees with him. Yeah. Because and, and my dad, I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My dad used to be a high school referee, pretty high level uh, high school referee. Not that high school referee is, you know, super prestigious, but um, but he was a pretty, you know, worked like state championships and stuff like. Um, so I was privy to a lot of the a lot of the things that referees talk about and you know, look for and things like that. My dad would talk to me about like, we'd go watch games and my dad would watch the officials and he would like point out things. And one of the things he talked about was if you've got one guy making a bunch of calls, like the other guy really has no choice, but mm-hmm. and this is back. He's got to even it up. Yeah. It, it, it was, it, this was back when it was two man mechanics, but um, you know, he's like, you just, you really have no choice. Like you can't, you can't just stand there and watch that other guy make call after call after call after call or foul after foul after foul after foul, like you at some point you have to like actually, even if you think nothing's going on, you have to like, you have to make a call. Well, yeah, because we've and, seen and you see this. You, know, you see it all the time. Yeah, exactly. You see uh, in the first 10 minutes of a half, one team will be in the bonus and another team will be at one foul. Yep. And so the guy, you know, yep. the guy that's covering the baseline for one and then covering the key for the other is calling all these fouls. The, the guy on the flip side, has to start calling the fouls because it just like it, it's just it ends up being unfair to like the other team you know because so you, you see I, I I've always called it in this some I you know I, I noticed when I was I would always yell it to my friends and I was at WSU in the crowd I'm like all right watch them even up these fouls you know WSU's only got one foul on them which would be often what it would be with Tony you know the Bennett's like watch they're gonna start calling fouls on us every time down because you know it's seven to one right now and so it's gonna be seven to four in about three you know in about 30 seconds and and it always was like you know they just they're aware of these things and you know and like you said they kind of have to to even out the game a bit and so it gets and then then you end up in these foul fests which is frustrating and um but yeah let's talk about the let's talk about the players Um, yeah yeah, wait, wait, let's, let's, did good stuff happen on the court? Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about, you know, uh, kind of the, the breakout game for DJ Rodman. Yeah. Really saved, that? saved their bacon in the second half when, you know, nothing was falling and he came in, hit three huge threes, a drive to the basket, man, oh man. Uh, he had a couple of them. But well, one had, where it was just legitimately just off the bounce from the three point line. Yeah, yeah. He took a guy off the bounce. The other one was a fast break. Yes. Um, and then uh and then yeah, three threes, thirteen points, uh huge on just, you know, uh only took seven shots and uh you know, pulled down five boards, played some good defense and all in all just a, a great game for that guy and, and good to see it. Uh it's it's nice this 
you know, this is a team that's going to have to have one of the, we talked about, you know, Kuntz and Rodman, like to be effective, they're going to have to have the, the to, to hit a certain number of threes. And, and if they come in bunches, fine. As long as, as long as they're kind of rotate, you know, they're, I mean, if they did them all at once, that'd be great. But like, as long as <laughs> one of them shows up when we need them to, and Kuntz did in his own way, um, from the free throw line, getting those rebound fouls. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, uh, definitely Rodman was huge, huge, uh, kind of brought us back from the brink. Um, at the same time, um, Bonton hit a few shots too. Uh, so that helped, that helped him go on a run to take, to erase the deficit and take a lead and then lose the lead and take the lead back. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was great to see Rodman have a game like that. You, you knew we, we talked about it on Monday, you, he's got the stroke and you know, they can fall and, and they can, they definitely finally fell and it, it looked great. Yeah, it's, um, I you know maybe this is a team that's just kind of like that. I know that um, announcers, so especially Heister and Dickow, uh, but we won't talk about them because we've already talked enough about things that irritate us. Um, but but announcers like to they they get sort of fixated on this idea. Oh, who's gonna be the who's gonna be the the other guy? Right. It's like, oh, well, Isaac Bonton's going to, you know, he's going to be the bell cow. But, you know, who's going to be that consistent second score? Not every team has that. Right. And it's not even necessary necessarily to, to be successful. Like it's you can have a rotating cast of guys. I mean, yes, ideally you'd want, you, you know, want two you'd good want guys and then- <laughs> two or three guys who are going to score like 15 to 20 points a night pretty reliably. OK, that'd be great. Um, but most honestly, most teams don't have that, yeah. you know? So the question is, okay, can you get enough contributions from enough other people to make it, you know, to, to, to stay afloat. And so far, you know, we're three games into the year. Okay. Game one, Isaac Bonton comes alive in the second half and does his thing. Okay. So he takes over and you know, uh, Kuntz hits a billion free throws. Yeah. And Kuntz hits a bunch of free throws weirdly. And then in the second game, you know, Noah Williams, you know, comes alive and, and makes some contributions. And then, uh, you know, and then DJ Rodman in this game, you know, comes alive and, and makes contribution. And to be honest, when you look at the the other players, um, you know, you can see guys who could potentially have a stretch. You know, I don't think you look at this team the way we looked at them last year, which was, you know, if, if it's not CJ and it's not Bonton, it, it's nobody. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's what it was last year. Like you just had really nobody, um, you know, Noah had, you know, had a nice game against UW, uh, but that was, you know, that was like one game. And so it, it just kind of wasn't there. Right. I mean, you were playing, uh, you're playing Jave Robinson, you know, huge minutes. I mean, you're playing guys, you know, uh, you know, Jazz Koontz was maybe not the guy that he is now. And, uh, you know, you were playing Jeff Pollard who, God bless him, really limited guy, right? So um, there there were all these guys playing really heavy minutes who just could not give you much in the way of creating anything. Um, and this year, you know, you look and you've got some guys who, you know, look like they could maybe um, do some things, you know, Williams and Rodman, you know, at this point. But, you know, you look at, okay, Yakimovsky, who had a really rough game yeah. against Oregon State. Yeah. Hopefully like, that's like, the floor for him because like, that was bad. <laughs> really, really rough. Yeah. Uh, he looked like a guy who was used to getting away with some things and he's not going to get away with those things at, at, at the NCAA level. Yeah. Um, so there was that piece, but 
but also, I mean, he had a really nice, uh, you know, a really nice contribution, um, against Eastern, you know, mm-hmm. where he hit a couple threes and, you know, had, had a bunch of rebounds. And okay. So he looks like a guy who could maybe do some stuff. TJ Bamba, you know, yeah. looks like a guy who could honestly in about a, you know, a 10 possession stretch, make like, you know, five driving layups. Like he looks, I mean, and he's hit a three. Um, I don't know if I trust his three point shot, just kind of looking at it, but you know, I mean, he's he has shown an ability to get to the rim. He's athletic. He can rise up and ride, and get through contact. You know, so he looks like a guy who could maybe give you something. Um, you know, it's so you just kind of look and you go, eh, you know, I mean, they're they they at least have some guys who on a given night could do some things, and that's you know when you pair it with the defense that yes. he's got. The defense. You know, and if Bonton, all these guys play get, defense, man. Yeah, at, at most of them we talked about. You've absolutely seen them play defense. Yeah, and if Bonton can just get a little more efficient, not even a lot more efficient, just a little more, just a yep. little bit, like, like if he can get his offensive efficiency up from like where it is now to like ninety five, like if his offensive rating get to like ninety five, that's pretty good. You know, for a high volume player, yeah. I mean, it's not great, but it's also like that's not it's not dragging you down, it's not killing you. Um, and if he you could, know, there was a, he again, he missed some twos that uh, and he missed a couple threes, frankly, that he should yeah, have buried. Yeah. Um, and he would have been there, you know, if he if he hits that transition open three when they were on a run and you're like, this is the shot that Bonton hits. This is definitely going yeah. down. And, and he pulled the string on it. And yep. and you're like and you could see him just visibly frustrated after he let it go. And it's just like, ah, like he I, you know, we saw him, you know, stay after and shoot you know they that got shared around twitter quite a bit um he's obviously it's obviously in his head hopefully it's not so much in his head that it's affecting his shot and stuff you know because uh um because those he's a very good spot up shooter um you know he's as good as it gets he just takes some we've said this over and over again he just takes so many tough ones um but you know but he hit a one off the dribble in this game a huge one um but yeah, I, offensively, yeah, it's it's his. Uh, he needs he needs to stop those drives short of the lane and yeah. just start shooting yep. more. It's dumb. It totally goes against modern basketball philosophy. Yep. But yep. he's much better. Like he is horrendous at the rim finishing. Uh, his percentages are very bad, and he is a solid shooter. So if he, he had a very nice pull up fifteen footer in this game. He can hit that way more often than he can hit a contested layup because he's not getting the fouls. Like he is getting fouled, and they're not calling it. I th- that happens a lot, but he's just, he doesn't sell it. He doesn't sell the foul. Um, he complain. You know, he he talks to the ref afterwards, but they don't give it to him because he's strong. He he's he's got a wide body. He's just not. He's just not tall enough. Not big enough. Well, he doesn't get as high into the rim. And let's and, let's be honest. He's also really weirdly bad at like drawing like drawing the kind of contact that allows you to also yeah. get off a decent shot like yeah. where you you know where where you're going up like into a defender's chest and you're kind of still maintaining some space and you're able to you know get a shot up with your off arm like like he doesn't um like guys that do that are really good at initiating enough contact to put the defender off balance and then maybe have a, you know, some, somewhat of a clean look, right? Like he just like, he goes searching for contact and so often doesn't find any. And then and takes a really and then tough he takes, shot. He, he makes the shot tougher 
than it actually is. Like doing a, a three sixty. Oh my god. <laughs> that thing we all just like in slack we were all just like what what was that (laughs) you know like like i want to know what's going through his mind when he decides you know what you know what i think is a good idea here 360 (laughs) that's i'm gonna go up but yeah 360 in the air he just i think he'd be served so well just by stop you know yes floaters and jumpers full you know rip hamilton yeah, and just floaters stop, and jumpers. Floaters and jumpers. Step he's backs. got the touch. Yep. Step. He's he's got a good step back yep. shot. Um, he creates a lot of space with it. Uh, yep. So I I think he should do do go to his strength. Don't yeah. don't worry about flying at the basket, especially in Pac-12 play. The guys are bigger. It's going to be tougher. Um, it, it worked sometimes last year, but um, his percentages have been even worse this year yep. going to the lane because uh, probably he's probably a little figured out. So yeah, I don't know. Take some take some mid rangers. Um, I will say uh, he doesn't get enough credit often no. for his defense. Uh, he for, I mean, he doesn't get does. enough credit. Period. But he doesn't get enough credit because he also had seven assists and only two turnovers in this game. Yep. Um, uh, but he his defense is excellent. Uh, we talked about a fast break layup that uh, Rodman had earlier. Uh, that started with him stripping Ethan Thompson in the lane. Um, starting the break, and then he was also running the floor and dished the ball off to Rodman for yep. the the finish. So he had three steals in the game. He, we saw him another time. He just straight up stole a, a a pass and and you know drew a foul down the floor to get two free throws, and that was big in the comeback. Um, so yeah, he plays excellent on, on ball defense. Plays good off ball defense. He made a very questionable decision to challenge. Uh, a three a three pointer at the end, uh, but again, <laughs> like, these guys. The hell? I, I, You're up by four points. What I, are you doing? I, I think like, it's hard. I think it's hard just, for these guys to turn it off. You know, oh, they, just let them shoot, man. I know it's not going to hurt nothing. I just it must be hard to turn it off. You know, it You're must just playing be. so hard on defense well, the whole game, and he's and, he's also the one who gave the high five to the Eastern guy at yeah. the end, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thankfully, that is almost never called. So thankfully, yeah. that wasn't called. But uh, I, I will say, by the way, just just kind of put like one more thing on Bonton here at the end. As I was going through, when I was writing my recap, and I was going through that run in the second half, where they went from you know down ten to up two or whatever it was, um, I, I was I I honestly had not noticed. Um, and this is one of those things when you go th- kind of go through the play by play, it kind of jogs your memory. But it's like I'm looking through the play-by-play. I really had not noticed how much of a hand Bonton had had in so much of that. Yeah. Now he wasn't scoring a whole bunch, um, but he was. Uh, he was getting steals. He had assists. He did have a three at one point. So that was you know that was the one where uh, uh, Fa, as we'll talk about in a sec, got the monster offensive rebound and they kicked it out for the three. But, you know, Bonton had a hand in so much of that. And then you mentioned the defense, right? Like he was a massive, massive part of that run. Um, and Rodman rightfully gets a ton of credit for making the baskets, which, of course, you have to make the baskets. But but Bonton really was really, really, really good, really good in that stretch. Um, and, yeah, he's going to make things that cause you to scratch your head and or pound your head into a wall or whatever. But. Um, but man, he's, he has his moments and they're usually sustained moments too. Um, it's not just flashes. Like he'll have, you know, a number of, of sustained good stretches in a game. And, 
Um, and he was just really, really good during that stretch. And, and he just, because people fixate on the shots, um, I have a, I just feel like so many of our fans overlook how good he is, um, at so many things, uh, at, at so many times, which is why um, he plays so much. And he's, yeah. Which is frankly, why he plays 35 minutes a game. He, he needs to, like, I, I hope they find some way to get him some rest. Otherwise I, I think yeah. he's going to get hurt again. Like he did last year, which yeah. was disastrous yeah. i don't people I don't again think we people, want just, that. people just remember when bonton was hurt last year even though lb was there it was really ugly yeah um so hopefully yeah. you know and also we're hoping for one of these you know hoping against hope that you know but rap and warren fisher warren didn't look very good i i think uh with rap particularly there might be a defensive it like I, I saw him kind of like was late on a closeout with that lefty uh, Reichel. Yeah, yep. um, he got benched. And he was right benched after that. immediately after that, <laughs> and he didn't so, play much after um, that. And he, yeah, he didn't come in. <laughs> so he's that guy that you're kind of hoping yeah. will step into a guard role and take some percentage, you know, because yep. Bomba's playing a little bit of guard, but more of the, more a three. Um, so that just doesn't leave us with much. Yeah. Uh, and then Fitzgerald Warren, obviously there. They didn't feel he was up to the, you know, he only played two minutes. So Yeah, I'm guessing in this game that had a lot to do with the fact that Ethan Thompson is a giant. Yeah, um, he's very big point guard. I mean, he's a 6'5", 6'6", six, six, six point one. guard. Yeah, and so I, I think the idea was, you know, Bonton and Williams uh, taking care of him. Um, I think, and Noah Williams was fantastic on Ethan Thompson. Oh, like, yeah. He was, he was Yeah, it was mostly Noah Bonton sometimes, but it was mostly Noah on him, and he, which is why he played thirty six minutes. So, So. I kind of an aside. I feel like Ethan Thompson is going to have his Bonton year this year. Like he, I don't think he has. uh, He's very good, but I don't think he has exactly what's necessary to be what they're asking of him. Um, and you can it bears it out as in, in his in his efficiency yeah, numbers. So I think far. I agree. His efficiency um, has dropped way way off. Yeah. So he before he had Trace Tinkle to play off of, um, which is a nice piece. Which is a nice to play yeah, off nice, of. Yeah, nice piece to play <laughs> off of. Now he's you know he's having to create. Like he was definitely you know he definitely created in, in the past, but he's having to do it even more now. So um, I, he's going to have a drop in efficiency. I still still think he's a very good player. But I, I, he'll probably catch some flack of not being as yep. as good as, as you know expected. But yep. uh, but yeah. So let's 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 talk hey, about. By the way, I before we do that, can yeah. I interject something super fast? Yes, because I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, so the referee's name is David Hall. I found that. Okay. Um, and and to my point, I swear to God, I did not look this up beforehand. I just looked this up now. So here is what how David Hall spent his last three days. You want to hear how David Hall spent his last three days? Yes. Tuesday, December 1st, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, UC Riverside, Washington, and Las Vegas. Wednesday, December 2nd, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Washington State, Oregon State, Pullman, Washington. Thursday, December 3rd, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Arizona State, California, and Berkeley. Yikes. He worked three fucking games in three days in in three different cities. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Back to back to back. I'll I'll bet that guy was... Really on the top of his game today down in Berkeley for that Arizona State Cal game. Like, give me a curious. fucking break. Now I'm curious to go uh, maybe watch the replay on Pac-12 so ridiculous. lab. See how that went. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so. that was old man ref who blew his whistle all day. But yeah, working his third game in a row today. 
I don't know where he's going tomorrow. He's probably going somewhere tomorrow. Got to get that money. But we got to... All right. Gotta, Back to gotta, what you were going to talk about. We got to do FL Watch. Yes. Oh, so good. Good but Lord. But Jeff, only amazing. five points. Oh, God. Okay, so... Uh, I, I wrote up a, a, like a three stars kind of deal because I was trying to think like, okay, so for the first couple games you could do, what have we learned? Well, by about like the third, fourth game, you're like, okay, like we've kind of <laughs> kind of figured some things out, right? So I'm trying to think of a new take and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do the hockey three stars thing. And I wrote about like, if there was some way to do like a, like a cumulative points saved and points scored kind of metric, right? Where it's like, okay, so you put a, Bas- a ball in the basket okay that's two points right uh you block a shot that was a layup that's two points you know so like so now he's got four points even though he actually only scored two i'm like whatever that would be like fa's would have been like off the charts in this game because he was just like it wasn't just the op man he was everywhere on defense it was awesome yeah it's it's incredible like he every game and in this game he was able to manage his fouls a little better Yep. Um, a lot better. A lot better because... He only you know, he committed got, three fouls in 20, 21 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Which is definitely, you know, I think he did five and ten or something. You know, in the last, or five and however many. It was ten. Uh, yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> ten minutes. So, yeah, massive improvement in that regard. And you could see it. Um, you could see the way he was approaching things. You kind of saw him back off on, on a couple things, like just to... Just to to stay in the game and and yeah you see what happens when he stays in the game like he has already made plays that we have not seen at wsu in a long time sherwood mentioned carlos daniel uh as a as a guy that could make plays like that yeah but, but like it probably as not, a rebounder as, a, as rebounder. a rebounder um but yeah so we saw that that re- you already mentioned that rebound that he set up Bonton for a three was just an animal of a rebound. He just jumped over two players. <laughs> and snatched State the was ball like out shocked of the air. that it happened. And then you saw him do just a thing you see NBA players like LeBron or whoever do all the time, where he just kind of jumped in the air on a defensive rebound and just waited for it to fall off the rim and then snatched it. Yeah. Like he just hung in the air and waited for it to fall. It's like. We have not had guys like this. Like, and then his obviously his block when you know he got switched onto a guard, onto Lucas, Jared Lucas, and, and he got switched onto him. Well, and that you talk about LeBron, that was a LeBron play too. Yeah, so he lets him get it by him, which I, as a, a as a like a tall guy who is not you know who is a la- very lazy defender, um, I typically try that move and pick up you know and it works sometimes you know you let the guy by thinking yeah. he has a layup yeah, yeah and then he just took it off his hands you know like he just swatted it away yeah and and at first they're like it, they immediately called a foul on the rebound oh fa the look on his face fa was like it? are you serious like he was like no no no, he no, no, no. He's like, i didn't i didn't, I didn't touch him like, and he didn't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like like i thought it was a foul on him at first too. i was like what are you kidding me like yeah. you no know, uh yeah. no but yeah it was a foul on the rebound if it does pretty funny but but wow what a play like he just has these plays every game he had three blocks he had seven boards this is yep. in 21 minutes three blocks seven boards um yep. Yeah, he, he didn't have the offensive game that he's had in the first two games, but still, still like he just is so impactful. Yep. 
two steals too, man. Yep. Like, like he one of the steals led to uh, led to one of Rodman's. Uh, uh, was it one of the threes? I think. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because uh, he stole the ball, got it to Bonton, and then Bonton got it to Rodman. But yep. Anyway, yeah, it's so, so so good. So this defense is already. Um, shot up to 84th in adjusted defensive efficiency from like I think they were like 130 or something to start the year. Yep. I'm um, just through these first three games. The offense and, and the defense were roughly the same heading. Yeah, into the and now that's very different. now it's gone. Offense gone is two different directions. Now. Um, so um, but which is what we expected, honestly. Yes. Like we we thought the defenses would be way better than what yep. Kempom predicted. Yep. We talked about the yeah. end of last year. We were like, it, it won't take much for the defense and, to get a lot better. And when Effa is on the floor, they are elite, man. Like he yeah. is such. He he's so so good. He's such a good defensive player. He's he because he's not only like he's quick enough to be the shot eraser but he's a quick enough jumper to be get the rebound as well like he's just he has a nose for the ball like he's a good you know he he's a good on ball defender he's a good you know paint protector he's a a tremendous like a tremendous shot blocker a tremendous rebounder like he's you know like we said he's not that traditional rebounder like you said last game he's a guy that goes gets the rebounds out of his zone like he and and he wants the rebounds. I saw him just rip one out of Rodman's hands at one point, yep. which is great. Oh, like, yeah. He's like, there was like, there was like, he's like, no, this is mine. That and is you want mine. your bigs to do that. You want your yep. bigs to rip the ball, the yep. rebound out of the little hands. Like, so yep. they can, they can get that. Yep. They want their stat for that. And you want them yep. to have that, that mentality. And, um, man, he's just so fun to watch. Um, I don't know, like, yeah, just to, to have so much impact. In 21 minutes and five points, but just feel like he was almost the MVP of the game. Like, was it, it's just insane. Uh, I, I just can't believe how good he is. Like, I can't, like, I did not expect this. And they, they can be with him, you know, figuring out the fouls, which he's, you know, he already showed like even better, you know, like in, in one game. And, and we know yeah. that the staff is working with him on that. And so it's just, if he can stay in the game longer, when he's in the game, like just that defense is otherworldly with yeah. with Noah and Bonton and DJ Rodman yeah. and and just you know Koontz is a you know a solid defender, but he really needs that bigger guy behind him. And he and, yep. and with FA he has that. He didn't have that with Pollard last year. With FA he has that, and and it's 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 really cool, man. I'm so so excited about him, and like it's just crazy like how much impact he can have without even scoring. Having a guy like that around the rim changes really changes everything. Um, and so here's here's the best example I've got of what a guy like that can do. Okay, so we are all uh, extremely aware of uh, Ernie Kent's terribleness as a coach, right? But in particular. <laughs> His terribleness as a defensive coach. Yes. Well, right? well I, I wouldn't even, you know, like, I don't think there was much attention paid. But Like, he's like he's bad at, I mean, he's bad at offense, but he's really, really bad at defense, right? Well, one year, one year, he had Valentine Azundu, mm-hmm. right? And that one year, uh, they were around the top 100 in blocked shots. Uh, so here is, here was their two point defense in his five seasons. Okay. 
uh, working backwards from his last season, 332nd, 316th, 301st, 141st, right? Like, where'd that 141st come? Well, guess what? They blocked. 10% of their opponents twos, right? Because of Valentine <laughs> Zundu. Like that was literally it. They, they were 176th in effective field goal yeah, percentage. So- like they were 188th in defense, which was the only time they were not outside the top 200 in his five years. When you have a guy who protects the rim and we have not had that many of them. I mean, even I would say even D'Angelo Castro was a good shot blocker, but he wasn't necessarily a rim protector. If that makes sense. Like, like he was like kind of the master of the weak side help block. Right. Yes. You know, that's not the same as, as a six ten, six eleven guy who can just kind of stand in front of the basket and just like reject things that come near the basket. Right. So to have, when you have a guy like that um, and, and for as limited as Azundu was at everything else, like he wasn't a good rebounder. Uh, he was a terrible offensive player other than catching and dunking. If he caught it right. Like, like he couldn't do much else, but he could block shots and it, it, it quite literally when he was in the game, which he was, he was hurt a lot that year, but, but like he transformed what was a horrendous defense anyway, but just his mere presence changed everything. And that's what a rim protector, a legitimate rim protector does. I mean, it frees up so much guys, guys on the perimeter to put pressure on the three point line uh, because you know, okay, if I, if I, if I, you know, close out hard and the guy puts it on the ground to go to the, go to the lane, I've got FA back there ready to reject something. And then of course the offense also knows this, right? They know, okay, if I get a blow by, like, am I putting it on the, on the deck and trying to get to the rim? Because like, I mean, Ethan Thompson, I I clearly remember late in the game, Ethan Thompson kind of getting into the lane and then kind of looking like maybe he wanted to take a shot, but he also had kind of had lost track a little bit of where FA was and was like, he kind of looked over his shoulder. He was just kind of like, Never mind, and just kicked it out to the three point line, and then and then the threat was gone. It, it just man, a guy like that, he changes he changes everything. And if this defense, uh, you know, if he keeps playing, if he can play, you know, twenty five minutes to thirty minutes a night, um, I mean, that just transforms everything. It transforms everything, and it's really the, the possibilities of what he can do is exciting. And I love that you pointed out the improvement that he's making already. Um, you know, for a guy to be so amazingly foul prone in the first couple of games against weaker competition to then play his toughest competition and get better at eliminating the dumb fouls. Like that seems like a simple thing, but we've watched enough guys to know it's not <laughs> like it's not, we watched, you know, Aaron Baines is a guy who comes up a lot right now. Uh, people are comparing to Vova, which I don't think that's a great comparison, but you know, like Aaron Baines spent kind of like, it took him about a year and a half to figure out how not to foul people yeah. at a rate that would get him taken out of a game. You know, FA's figuring it out in like, and like, he, and he's going to, he's going to continue to make mistakes. I mean, I'm not saying he's, you know, he's over it or whatever, but, but you can see him, making improvements faster than what you normally expect from guys. And just one more thing on the defense. So uh, Cal's defense is rated uh, on Kempom adjusted offensive adjusted defense efficiency, which there's a lot of uh, pre preseason stuff baked into that right now. Um, Probably for another, you know, few games, probably through, you know, December, 
but but they're currently 86th, so they're right around where WSU is. They gave up 1.01 points per possession to Oregon State. WSU gave up uh, point was it 0.81. So yeah. like that's a 20% 20% worse output against WSU's defense, which is uh, by Ken Palm's measure the same like right now uh, predicted to be the same as Cal's, but I think this defense might be a lot better than even we could have thought it could have been because in a lot, it's a lot because of Abogidi and like, that's because it, it, we knew we had the guards that could guard and, and you know, it's, we knew we had that and that, but just to have that guy and, and this could be an, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they jumped into the top fifty by the end of the year in yeah. defensive efficient adjusted defensive efficiency, which yep. would be a dramatic like it was already a dramatic improvement last year. Uh, the jump they made. Uh, see, what did they go into? Uh, they went to eighty third, so right they're right about where they were last year um, mm-hmm. by the end. Uh, I think you know they can be even better on defense because if you're looking at like they did lose CJ, who's a good defender, but um, you know, just what FA brings is just yeah. uh, a completely different package that um, is just awesome. And it, it, yep. it's going to be, if you like a good defense and if you were kind of, if you, if you miss the Bennett years, then of course you like good defense. So um, <laughs> let's have some good defense. Yeah. And le- I mean, let's mention Deshaun Jackson too. Like we don't yes. really know what yeah, he we have, can we, do. We, we saw him for the first time. And- yeah. And we don't know what he can do defensively, but the way he moves <laughs> suggests that he might be pretty good too. Yeah. And we know um, he's coming off an injury and sometimes on a big, but yeah, he was like, you mentioned he was running the floor really well. He looks yeah. like he's got a nose for the ball and, and yep. rebounding. Um, yeah. So if he, he can- ran the floor really well, like when you watched him run, it was like, I mean, he was scooting up the floor and I was like oh wow <laughs> like I'm like look at him go like that's pretty like he's like obviously a 40 time is not really relevant to basketball players for the most part but uh but he looked like a guy if he ran a 40 you'd kind of go wow that, that's pretty fast you know he just yeah he moved really great too he definitely was not nearly not nearly as awkward as I expected him to be not that I expect him to be like super awkward or anything but just like the I mean we keep saying this but like the big guys that we get Typically, you know, like you, you look at him, you go, yeah, maybe two years from now, you'd be all right. And and I'm looking at this guy going like, holy crap, like he's he he already moves. OK, he already runs. OK, he can he can already catch the ball like that's crazy pants. You know, I'm not just we're not used to that. Uh, I will say he so. he had he. He got two free throws. The only shots he got, he missed them both. His still his stroke looked pretty decent. They look, yeah, they look. But right. also he has he has like a impossible free throw rate right now. So it just says nine 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 on Palm <laughs> because he doesn't right. have a shot taken. Zero but shots. He's taken two free throws. So yes, it's like null basically. Infinity. <laughs> Infinity right Infinity now. Infinity free throw rate, Kuntz's, which is yeah. Kuntz's came Kuntz's came down to earth, and now it's only one oh six. <laughs> <laughs> Only twenty seventh national. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so funny. um I, I'm I'm excited to see uh Jackson get some more minutes. Yeah. because um, yeah, he definitely uh looks like he's got something there and Yeah. It'd be uh, cool to see if he and uh Abugidi can play together. Cool. I don't know that that's too much in the cards yet. Um my guess is that they may not want to do that too much because um 
you know, their third big with, with Vova is, you know, he's, he's, you know, pretty limited. And he's things kind of he a, do. he's kind of a, a submarining lefty to, yeah. to, for a baseball. And, and uh, there was a role for him in this game because yeah. Silva is also a really big lumbering dude. So it's like, okay. So there was definitely a role for him when Silva was in this game because, you know, they could both sort of lean on each other and lumber <laughs> up and down the court. Um, but there's going to be, there's definitely going to be games where that's not the case. And so then it's, you know, and you also, you don't want to get into You don't want to get into a situation. I, I think, especially in this one, my guess is they didn't want to get into a situation where Jackson had to play a lot of minutes, um, you know, coming off an injury. So, but that's, that's a real tantalizing combination, man. You know, like, uh, Jackson looks like he could legitimately guard a four and mm-hmm. F.A. can definitely guard a five. And so that's two 6'10 dudes, uh, pretty athletic 6'10 dudes uh, near the paint. That, that's 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 a pretty darn exciting prospect. Um, I, I, you know, I can, honestly can't remember the last time last time we did that. I guess, I, you know, you could I mean, this is not not the same, but like, uh, you know, Jordan Rayleigh and D.J. Shelton together was pretty that's pretty athletic. Um, I think, you know, Rayleigh, I think, got kind of a bad rap. He was he was a pretty athletic dude. And he was also um, very big. Yeah. And he was also very big. Uh, so maybe that. But, yeah, this these two guys, I mean, it, yeah, could be exciting. could be real exciting. Well, we talked about that game for a lot longer than Yes, we did. Whoopsies. About 30 that's, minutes that's what happens longer. when we're excited, dude. Like, it's exciting. So let's do a quick, quick preview of the Colorado game. I know I... I, I got to be honest, I'm not super hopeful, primarily because Colorado is a place of horrors. Colorado is, the, according to Ken Palm's measures, the toughest place to play in the country. Yep. Uh, the best home court advantage of any school in the country, Colorado. Um, so, and WSU has seen that time and time again. Um, you know, the, the, the elevation, the, I mean, but they usually have a great home crowd. They're not going to have that. Um, but the players, you know, McKinley Wright is still annoyingly there. Um, <laughs> How? I and he could come back next year. How? He, he, <laughs> this is this is his fourth season playing. It feels yeah. like a lot longer. I know um, guys who like play a ton as freshmen. Those are the ones that get yeah, you. Yeah, he played eighty percent of minutes as a freshman. Yeah, like so. That's you know, he, he like, just, he's 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 been there? here forever. He's as good as ever quick tough to guard you know gets in the lane uh you know occasionally shoots jump shots just to piss you off um just a very good point guard um very tough to defend uh yeah and they escape you know uh they got guys but remember wsu beat them uh in the national championship game yeah just just earlier this year Yes. Um, so anything is possible. Um, although it's, again, it's going to be tough in Colorado. Um, but yeah, they have a, they have a, they have a, they have players, you know, Horn, um, and Jabari Walker, Evan Batty is a big dude, you know, big wide body. Um, I think that's another probably... guy where I'm like, he's still there, but he's only yeah, a junior. He's only a junior. Um, <laughs> but that might be a guy who, with our Please current... don't injure anybody this year. Yeah, please don't do that. Um, don't so, you yeah, they... dare touch my F.A. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so they have they have players, obviously. Uh, Eli Parquet, Parquet, I've always forgot to say his name. But he's a three-point shooter that's annoying. 
Um, so that they got, they have a, a strong team. Um, you know, Kempom's given WSU a, a what a fourteen percent fourteen percent chance. That sounds about right to me. To yeah. be honest, they're just it's, playing in Boulder is just a pain in the ass. Like we and we know this. I'm just really glad we didn't have to go. To, this is nice because they put the Colorado road game in December, so you don't have to have the Utah and Colorado yeah. trip, which is nice. Yep, that part's super nice. Uh, that was always oh, that was always the worst. Like trying to play both of those games. Ugh. In like so. three days, you put you get you get to play two games at elevation in three days. Um, yeah, yeah, no thanks. And two teams are are usually pretty good, except for that one year that Utah was terrible, and then uh, they they still lost. Uh, Hard Brock Moto, yeah. Hard pass. Um, but yeah, so it's a tough road trip. You know, whether it's one game or two. Um, plus, they're 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 a solid squad. But yeah, but yeah, key, you know, I was gonna say the key is very likely tur- going to come down to turnovers. To be honest, yeah. Uh, you know, Colorado exceptionally good at taking care of the ball. Uh, a lot of our defense now, not, it won't be as fueled as it has been. If FA can stay in the game, uh, like that's, that's a big deal. Like we, uh, in the, you know, last year we really relied on those turnovers to cover up for the weak two point defense. Well, all of a sudden our two point defense looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, um, that means that, you know, we're maybe not as reliant on turnovers, but still, you know, Colorado, you know, to this point in the year, hasn't shot that well. Like they're like it's okay. Like they're hundred and second in effective field goal percentage against. And they haven't two, really played two. Yeah, they played yeah. South Dakota and Kansas State. Those aren't you know great teams. So uh, or any great defensive teams. So you know they're, they're basically where they're where they're making their hay is just not giving the ball up, and then offensive rebounds. Um, so that's the other piece. If we can defensive rebound and turn them over a little bit, a little bit more than they normally do, uh, you know, you might have a chance because they, like I said, they haven't shot it great. Um, they're only, you know, 90th and three point percentage, 123rd and two point percentage, and they don't get to the line that much, um, relatively speaking. So, uh, you know, you put all that together. And yeah, if you try to, maybe, maybe they can draw a few charges on McKinley, right? Who knows? <laughs> Let's hope. One can only hope. Uh, it's yeah, that's pretty great. Jabari Walker, by the way, they're freshmen. Um, he's, he's drawn 7.7 fouls per 40. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> so watch out. Li- F- li- limited minutes, but he definitely, when he's in the game, um, he is definitely looking to shoot and, uh, and he's looking to get into the lane. He's got 10 twos against three threes and, and has gone to the line uh, for eight attempts. So, yeah. uh, so he's, that's a guy who's definitely looking to looking to draw fouls and have an impact. So he, he's probably, he's probably your X factor and he's, you know, six, eight, 200. So he's probably gonna, you're probably looking at Koontz and DJ and Yakimovsky guarding him most of the time be the guess. Yeah. So, yeah, to win, I think they're going to have to, I, they'll probably have to hit shots from the outside and yeah, just, uh, play you know be be tough down low yeah and yeah uh, we'll see what happens good two-point defense maybe get some turnovers uh keep them off the glass uh that's that's kind of a big one there got to do better than what they did against oregon state i don't think that things were as bad like they they gave up 35 percent uh offensive rebounding to oregon state i don't think it was quite as bad as that number made it look because they got i mean there was one possession where they got i think four offensive rebounds or something ridiculous like that it was that free throw they had quite a few like like, clanged hard threes that just went right back to the guy on the and those are gonna happen yeah those are gonna happen but they locked it down late so hopefully they can yeah hopefully they can lock it down because because walker and jariah horn and 
Dallas Walton and all these guys, man, they, they got like three guys, four guys, four guys with defensive rebounding percentages above 18. That's pretty good. Yeah. And offensive rebounding, four guys with offensive rebounding percentages above seven and a half. Also very good. Yeah. Two guys above 10. That's also very good. So <laughs> they're going to be tough on the glass. That's going to be a big key. For but, sure. but, you know, this, you know, if, if Washington state has been leveling up, you know, that's right. Two, We're ready. Beat, beat 220, beat 142, beat 112. This is a big jump going to, to 50. number 50. Uh, this is the boss battle yeah. um, before you move We're on ready. to the next easy level. You got, you got a, you got a level of easy, like, <laughs> you know, that, that easy level, but you got the boss battle before you get there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, it's, but like we it's, said, it's, it's a kinda, nice temperature check, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's fun to find out what, and they've what, already what got, got one in the bank after beating Oregon state. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think you'd feel bad if they lost both of them. Yeah. But you've it, already got one. And unless you go embarrass yourself against Colorado, which even if they did, probably doesn't change the way you're feeling about stuff. At least not for me. Yeah. I will say, yeah, they, they got, you know, they got Colorado and then they got it. I mean, the Pac-12, it's there's not an elite team in the Pac-12 this year, but there's a lot of good teams and a lot of like teams that would be in the tournament or on the bubble of the tournament. So um you know arizona state arizona coming right off of the non-conference after that so d- there's going to be a tough stretch here um but those ones you get at home so th- this is their one away game in the first kind of you know month of the season so hopefully a month and a half so i don't know you know leave it leave it out there you just got idaho in four days so that they're they shouldn't be too tough uh so you wouldn't think uh, yeah so they're pretty bad right now so yeah, you just go out there. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be fun. See what they can do. Maybe it won't be fun. Maybe maybe it won't be fun to watch. I don't know. One PM Saturday. Check it <laughs> out. It'll be fun to watch one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, for real, it'll be fun to watch. Like it's again, like I said, temperature check. You know, and you go, okay, uh, where are you at? And you know, they've already. You know, we knew these two games were going to tell us something, and so we already know uh, we're at least as good as Oregon State. And you know, okay, so Colorado now, like you said, step up. And we'll see what happens. And, you know, maybe if they get annihilated, we kind of go, eh. but I, you know, if they go down there, like to me, it's like you're playing with house money. I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure the team's not thinking of it this way, but for me, I'm looking at it going, okay, well, you go down there, you show well against Colorado, you win the game. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> uh, you play well and you go, well, Hey, that's a place where we always play terrible and you played well. And that's pretty cool. Um, you know, against a team that's, you know, we think is pretty damn good. Um, is going to be, you know, contending for an NCAA tournament spot. Like, that's the kind of stuff that makes you feel good. Um, and then if they go down and they play like shit, you go, well, we always play like shit in Boulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's the big deal? It's yep. fine. We're one and one in the Pac-12. It's okay. No big deal. See? I mean, is it, you can't lose with this one. You know, when you're coming off that game against Oregon State, you know, you feel like, all right, we're okay. And if even if you lose, yeah, we're still three and one. Yeah, most teams lose in Boulder, it's to be honest. Idaho, <laughs> Portland State, Montana State, Prairie View A and M, and Northwestern State. Like you got five cupcakes coming up. Maybe Montana State gives you a challenge, but you got five cupcakes coming up at home. You know, you should you should win all of those. Um so you might you might be heading into conference play, you know, sitting at eight and one, even if you lose to Colorado. So pretty good i think all right let's let's go beat colorado and then we're undefeated yeah 
Let's just going, beat going back go. into con- I keep saying going into conference, but going back into conference. Let's go undefeated just the entire season. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I wonder what Ken Palm says our chances of that are right now. Oh, zero percent. Zero percent. Come on, Ken. We haven't lost yet. It's got to be more than zero. Apparently, it's not. It's got to be. Well, what it probably is is there's probably more zeros before the one. Yeah, there's just my too guess. many. There's not right enough now. It's point. It's zero point zero zero. I don't know how many more zeros there are before the one shows up, but it's over there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> Win this, I don't know. It'd be funny to see how many wins it would take to get it to register. I'll bet this one would probably would probably get it to tick somewhere. Maybe. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? Maybe. You know, I don't know. It depends on how much they rose in the in his ranking, so right. how much more stronger they were. Right. Um, you know, it by... also helps that other teams like Washington and Cal keep losing, so. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's kind of what you talked about. You know, the rest of the conference is is pretty good. You know, lots of top fifty teams: Arizona State, Arizona, Stanford, UCLA, USC, uh, Utah, all top fifty teams. Well, Utah, I guess, is fifty four right now, but still, it's you know close enough. So yeah, lots of pretty decent competition. Not too many cupcakes in there, but that's all right. I think we're I think we're good. We'll all win right. some of those. Yeah, we should stop. Yeah, that's the... You keep trying to get me to stop, and I keep talking. What, what do we plan? An hour? Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were like, can we get this done in an hour? We started late tonight. Yeah. All right, <laughs> I was trying man. to write, trying to put my kids to bed. 9.30. Let's start at 9.30. And now I'm like, yeah, it's late. All right. So, yeah. Um, can you uh, tell I had a coffee earlier? Yeah, I can tell. Uh, definitely. Um <laughs> Even my one beer, I cannot battle that. But so, uh, at Pod versus Everyone for Jeff on Twitter at the yep. Craig Powers. Yeah. Uh, for me on Twitter, uh, subscribe. Please leave a leave a nice review. Please five stars. Um, please do that. Um, if you we leave like a that. cool review, maybe we'll start reading some of them on the on the broadcast here. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, Pod cast vs everyone at gmail.com send them our way again i'm gonna do my quick check nope still no emails so yeah uh we haven't gotten one since november 6th Mm. um so yeah uh, come on send us some more emails i like the emails yeah um podcast vs everyone at gmail.com or if you have like I don't know, like a question or something oh, yeah. for us to talk about. Like we could do a mailbag if we ever got things. a bag of mail. We could do a mailbag. We could. All we right. Could. Go Cougs, right. man. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.